Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Amen. Good morning. Exodus 16, 1 through 15. I'm going to read a little bit this morning. It says, The entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you have brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread, bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us, Moses continued. The Lord will give you the meat to eat this evening and more than enough bread in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you are raising up against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, go before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud the Lord's glory appeared. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am Yahweh your God. So at evening, quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Pay attention to that verse. It says, when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the victory that by our relationship in you, you show us the correct path. You reveal the things when, when we submit into your spirit and allow your spirit to guide us each and every day. Not only are we on the correct path to victory, Yet we can see what you have done, what you have moved, what you have placed, what you have provided for each and every one of us. Not only so that we will be victorious, but yet so we will see it. So that our relationship will grow in you and we will have confidence in that love. So we ask that we reveal your word to us this morning. Let your spirit bear witness so that we will understand these things and we can apply them in our life. Because in our relationship with you, when it is done correctly, when we are obedient, when we submit, we are guaranteed victory. We see it in your word. It is proven over and over and time again. So, God, we ask this morning that your spirit bear witness these things to us, God, so that we can apply them correctly in our life and we can achieve the victory that is granted to us by our relationship, our, 
correct relationship, our obedient relationship with you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We'd like to thank you for joining us this morning, choosing us to worship with. We're in the second part of the reality of victory. We started this last week. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 17, um, Paul is telling us that he has saved the most important truths for last. And I want us to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, again this morning from last week. Paul writes, Now, beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. And he continues on in verse 13, and he tells us, For you must wear the full armor, not partial armor, not at our convenience, not when we have decided to serve God, but the full armor of God so that we are protected. When we confront the devil, because we are destined for all things, and we will rise victorious. So this morning he starts, and he spends time on this in the very beginning before we even get to the armor. Because what good is armor going to do you if you're not going to put it on correctly? If the armor is not made for you, I think the most, the most common story in the Bible is when, is when David goes out to fight Goliath and Saul says, here, wear this armor. And David's like, I can't wear this armor. You know, it, it didn't have much to do with statue, stature. But what it did have to do, that armor weren't for him. And what Paul is telling us this morning, this is the most important truth in your walk for Christ. Paul says this is, this is why there's a letter to the church at Ephesus. This is why there's letters to the church at Galatia. This is why I wanted to go to Romans. This is why I spent so much time explaining to the Romans what I believed in. He said, because it's not just about saying and it's about doing it. It's not just saying that I am a Christian. Paul says, you know what? Jesus died. He resurrected. And he ascended. Well, with the ascension, he tells us that he's going to leave. I must go away. But when I go away, I will send my spirit. So it's not that the gospel's ended. At the end of the loop, he prepares for Acts to start. And when Acts start, we have a job to do as believers. They went out and started the first churches. We can read about it. God has given us an awesome responsibility. And not only has he given us an awesome responsibility to share these things with all others, Paul says also he has given us the opportunity to be prepared. In fact, he says you better be prepared He said, because if you truly believe that we are destined destined for all things and that we will rise victorious, then we're going to need some protection. Because if if we understand that he has a plan for each and every one of our lives, he has a purpose for each and every one of our lives, and we believe that our God is possible for all things, and we just have a glimpse of of who, who the devil is by our general understanding, let's say, of the Bible. Paul says, no, he goes a little bit deeper than that. He said, because actually, you're not, you're, you're not fighting against things that you can relate to. You're not, you're not fighting against things that you can see. You're not fighting against things you have any control of because if we understand that if we're not submitted to Christ, we'll go right back to where we came from. Paul says the flesh is, the problem with the flesh is, I know, I, 
you, I know what to do. I, I read the Bible. I understand that his principles, and I know that they're good to me. But he also tells the church at Ephesus this morning, he said, what we need to understand is, he says, these aren't the things that no, we would normally relate to. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. Paul says they are fully aware. If you don't believe anything else, if you don't get anything else out of this right here, and you're like, well, you know what? I don't really understand why it is, you know, that Paul keeps warning us. Well, we can see in our life the detours we have taken that are not correct. And what I'm saying is it proves a point that why is it that the devil wants to go through so much trouble? Why is it that he wants to play with your mind? Paul's going to tell us that, that, that we need to protect our minds because if he is in our heart, he's going to mess with this. He's going to drive this crazy if it's not submitted. Why? Because, see, we know what the old way is, and when God comes in and he redirects our path, there's going to have to be some changes made. It's not humanly possible. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be comfortable sometimes. It's not going to be popular to the flesh. But it must be done. And the issue is God is making preparation not only because he wants us to succeed. See, God is self-sustaining. God is doing this for, for our relationship to him. God wants us to experience something because he loves his children. That's Exodus. That's what he was trying to teach his children, and we're going to look at that. But he also knows how, how, how the devil views this and how dangerous it is if we fall out of that relationship because he is right there. And what Paul wants us to understand, this is bigger than when we were little and we viewed the devil with the tail, pitchforks, and a little horn in a little red jumpsuit. You know, this is bigger than, well, all things are possible because I serve Jesus. Or all things are possible because I go to church on Sunday morning and I can call on him and he listens. No, what Paul says, it says, be supernaturally infused with strength through your what? Your life union. It is a constant relationship. It is a union. It is a joining. It is a marriage from weeks and weeks ago. He said this mystery, this profound mystery, he is actually speaking about the church. Look, this, this is a joining together in a life union. It's not when it is ever comfortable. It's not when, well, you know, um, I believe we'll go to church this Sunday. You know, uh, some people that used to go to our class who have had to stay home through some to some situations, they sent me and my wife a text, and they were they were talking about it one Sunday, and they were talking about how that morning when the class was about to come on, they all got up, and they all gathered around the TV, and they turned it on, and they were watching, and their daughter was asking questions about about who that was up there speaking. And she says, well, that's Mr. John. And I was like, who is Mr. John? No, but see, the point is this morning, you know, so many times we are put in a situation where we can either view God victorious. See, God is always victorious. You know, there's a reason why we get in a pinch, why we always run back to him. There's a reason why Exodus is written. See, all God wanted for his people was, was to value that relationship. Because why? Where, they, where were they trying to get? To the promised land, right? They were trying to get to the promised land, 
because God had this awesome plan already laid out for him and his people to live together in perfect harmony. He wanted to bless his people. Well, fast forward to today. Where are we trying to get? We're trying to get to the promised land, right? So see, we read this, and the reason that, that this sticks out to us or the reason we can relate to this is because it's the same thing. God put the, the, they are in the Bible for a specific reason this morning. And look, regardless if we love the Lord, regardless of whether we follow the Lord and we, and, you know, we have that life union, we understand how easy it is for God to do something in our life. And then in a split second, turn right around and be like, well, why is it even this way for you? See, when we, when we get to Exodus 15, 16, and 17, there's going to be some, there, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change in the conflict. You know that the story is almost going to swap. It's, it's going it's to flip around. A new word is going to be introduced. My nephew and my son, they used to, they used to always watch. They used to always watch their iPad on Tuesday nights when we go over, go over to, to their GMOs, my mama's house to eat. You know, she cooked dinner every Tuesday night. Well, they would sit there and they would watch their iPad. And while they're watching their iPad, you know how the computer is. You want to watch something on YouTube or you want to watch anything. Well, what comes up? The infomercial or something like that, right? Your video will play after three seconds, or after three seconds, you can put the video. You can skip it. Well, so they'd be in the middle of watching their, their car game or, or whatever they were watching, and what would happen after so many? The infomercial would pop up. You know, and so in all their frustration, they would sit there and they would just look at the screen, and they would, they would, they would talk to the infomercial, and they would say, all I can hear coming out of, out of your mouth is blah, 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 blah. And they would continually, they would continually, they would do that because it frustrated them that when they wanted to watch something so bad, look, the infomercial lasted all of what, five or ten seconds? And then you could skip it. And finally they were over there saying this over and over and over again. I was like, look, just, just click that arrow right there when it shows up. But you know, there is that moment when they were in that situation where they already knew what they wanted to see. See, they had seen the previous one. They knew where they was going. It might be a little bit different. But they were pretty sure that's where they wanted to go. But something hindered them in that moment from seeing what they wanted to see. And when they were hindered, they didn't care about what was being said in that moment. See, that's, that's the deal with commercials. See, we've got things now that can fast forward commercials. We can tape it, right? But see, what I'm saying this morning is there's a couple things that are going to affect our victory. There are a couple things. See, God doesn't work in our timing. It's a good thing that he doesn't. It's a good thing that his plan is thought out. That's why he's almighty God. See, when we begin to talk about satisfy, in the Bible, we're not even going to be able to relate because as we looked at last week, when God satisfies, the definition is always an overflowing or a fullness. No, when we deal with satisfied is, well, I'm willing to wait for five seconds because I know what I want to see will be on after that. But yet in that five seconds, I'm going to complain and I'm not going to listen. See, and what we understand is by Exodus 15, 16, and 17, God knew that and God was trying to teach his children. And see, in our own lives, we have the opportunity 
But the thing is, you will never achieve victory unless we realize in that moment when things are put to a halt to, where, or when things are rearranged if we don't view what God is doing. Because we understand one, one thing in these chapters. God says that he is trying to teach his children. God said he is trying to teach his children. Number two is, is that every time there is victory, how quickly does it turn into grumbling? I mean, it's right there. We can look at it, right? Here it is right here. If we go back to chapter 15, conflict arises. They come out of Egypt. What happens? The Lord parts the Red Sea. The Israelites make it across. When the Israelites make it across, what happened? The sea closes up on the Egyptians. Now, they were led out of bondage. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Specific, specific words in the Bible, why? So he would follow. He was teaching still. They got to the sea. What happens as soon as they know that they're coming? We should have, we should have been back in Egypt. See, the issue is with victory is how quick it is in our life to just look back when God wants to carry us forward. And that's just the way it is. That's human nature. That's why when we say, um, that's why when we look at what God is wanting to do in our life, and we view the definition of satisfied as, well, it's just what I can get right now. That's the issue. Because see, we're dealing with the God in a fullness. We're dealing with the God that will put us in the middle of the situation that will allow us to be there and care for us and provide for us so we will watch it. Because, see, that's how we have to learn. The issue is, is while we are watching, are we learning? And that's a big issue. These were God's chosen people. So the Red Sea, not only they, they go across it, but yet it swallows the people that once enslaved them, the ones that held them in bondage. All right? Go on. Just, just, just a little while after that. But I think it's also safe to say, not only was this, a, this is probably one of probably the most awesome displays of God's power in the Bible. I think we all can agree with that. But it's not just because it's almighty power. Just think about the impeccable time that God had. Because not only did the sea open up, not only was it dry and they walked across the sea, yet it was perfect timing for them to make it across. It was the perfect timing for God to harden Pharaoh's heart so he would leave. See, this is not just something that was dreamt up where God said, I want to see you. No, this was, this was a perfect plan. And see, when you are in the wilderness, you have to understand that it is by your choice. Because all God wants to do is lead you to the promised land. And you said, well, amen, that's the truth. No, all that is is the book of Exodus. That's all it is. God wants you to realize. Sometimes we have to be placed in the wilderness so that we will come to the realization who God is. No, not by all the mighty power and what we can see. See, we view, we, God tells us not to, and, and Jesus tells us not to mess with one thing. What is that? It's his spirit. It says, let him dwell with you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Number one, don't abuse it. We can't even abuse it because we don't even know how to use it without it. And see, you know, we focus on the power. We focus on the power. Ooh, and you know what happened every time? There's a note here, and God shows up. A cloud shows up. Thunder and lightning shows up. The people are afraid. 
See, if all we're ever worried about is power, and see, that's what God was trying to teach his, his children. Yes, I can provide for you. Yes, I love you. But see, there needs to be a relationship. Because see, if we understand, if, if we just look at the power, all we're worried about is what our daddy can give us. And God says, and what he tried to teach his people, if we read, is that if there is a relationship, if there is a if if there is that life union as Paul writes about this morning, you won't you won't have to ask. And not even that. You won't even have to worry, Jesus says. Do you think that my father doesn't know how to care for his own children? And not even that, we have faith that we just walk in this wife life union. You know what the awesome thing? This is what God wanted his children to realize is that we can see it. We can see him doing it now. We can see him moving it now. You know, it's not just a song. It's about when you live this and you have that relationship with God, you understand, you come to the understanding, as the Bible talks about, how much he loves you. And this is why God wanted his people to realize this morning. It's not that, you know, yes, I will do all these things. I will move all these things for you. I will provide for you. There must be a relationship. There is no victory without a relationship. Why? Because even if we had a victory, number one, we would never appreciate it. It's right here in Exodus. Number two is that it would do us absolutely no good because where would we be? We'd be right back there wandering. See, it does no good for God to give us a victory if we don't have a life union with him because what will we do? We will waste it. It is proven true in his word, and it's been proven true in our own lives when we don't have that direct communication in that relationship with him. Why? Because we don't understand satisfaction. Because without being in God's perfect will, we will never understand what fullness means. We will always understand it by the natural realm when we need to be because it is detrimental to our relationship with him to understand it through the spiritual realm. We must view it that way. Because either way, we're going to fight. Paul says you need to be prepared. So as we go on a couple words, well, actually one word arises this morning. They part the Red, Lord parts the Red Sea, leads them out of bondage, destroy, destroys the, the Pharaoh, the nation that once enslaves them. They come to Mira. They run out of water. What's, the, what's happening now? Look, I think it's safe to say that the Red Sea parts. Look, this, this is an awesome event. It is obvious. It's blatantly obvious. All this happens. They, they get to Mira and they say, well, you know what? We're just going to die of thirst out here. Look, you were just, if we read the Bible, they were... They were just playing the tambourine. They were just worshiping. They were just praising God. And all of a sudden, they get a little thirsty, and they're like, you know what, Moses? The Bible says they begin to grumble. Look, this happened so much in the book of Exodus that this word grumble is exclusive pretty much to the book of Exodus. It has to do with the hostility between God's people and God when they did not get what they wanted. They grumbled. The hostility between God and Moses. They got their own terms. 
So that tells you what? That it happened more than once. He controls the movements of the water, not just the tide. He splits the water in half. But see, listen, if you want to understand why it's not, once again, it's not just about having victory because, see, that's what we have here. What are we going to do, Lord? You led us out of bondage. We would have been better off. No, you know what? God led you out of bondage, placed you in a place where he gave you the place. All you had to do was be obedient and go there. And you know what you did? You stayed out of victory and stayed enslaved in bondage. Not, not to the Egyptians. He led you out of there. To your own self. To your selfishness. In fact, grumble. A new word arises to define the category. It comes up. So now God controls the Red Sea. And yet right after that, they praise and worship him. And now God's going to let them die of thirst out in the wilderness after he just parted the Red Sea. See, there needs to be a recognition. That's what I'm telling you. The Israelites, they were just human beings. That's why Paul keeps writing. What did Paul write the Galatians? Paul's like, it's almost if I have wasted my time in going to you. Now the way you are acting. What's wrong with the Galatians? They were just regular human beings. That's why Paul keeps in 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 stresses a life union with Jesus Christ, because it's not just about having victory. It's not just about serving a God that's more than more than enough. It's not just realizing it. See what God wanted His children to do, and that's what He wants each and every one of us to do this morning is is experience in our own life. Because if He could just get us to experience it, then there will be a relationship. Either way. It's our fault then. Once again, that's all 15, 16, and 17. So, 15. Oh, even better. They get, water appears. Mara, what does Mara mean? It means bitter, bitterness, right? So what is God doing? God's showing them how they are to him. He's giving them a, a prime example of the relationship, of what it's like. They complain. God tells Moses. We know the story, right? God God changes the water. This is amazing stuff, right? This is amazing stuff. It's like, wow, I, I, I wish that I could just, oh, trust me, you have. You have. God has moved. God has switched. God has shown. See, it's not just, victory is, a, victory is a big word. And yes, you know, when we say victory, we're like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, and one day I will achieve true victory. Yeah, but see, there's a journey to the promised land, and that's where the issue arises. That's why there's letters to, to the Galatians, Ephesians, the Corinthians, church at Corinth. You know, that, that's why, because there is a journey. God never tells us that we won't have to pass through the wilderness. What he does say, that he will give us provision in the wilderness. What he does say, that we can make our journey a lot longer because we don't want to listen to him. He teaches us that through this book right here. He tells us he'll never leave us or forsake us. We find out, let's go to Exodus 15, 26. God tells his people this morning, The same thing Paul is telling us. He said, if you carefully 
Obey the Lord your God. Do what is right in his eyes. Pay attention to his commands and keep all his statutes. I will not inflict any illness on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh who heals you. So the Lord will protect, provide, and bless. If we go back one verse, Lizzie, if you can put that up, please. It tells us that he made an ordinance. And he made an ordinance. Why? He made an ordinance for them at Merah and tested them there. He tested them. Why? God already knows. You know the reason we serve God is because he is self-sustaining. Why do we trust that he has a plan in our life? Why? Because he is our creator. And the one that created us, who better to trust in that he has a plan for our life? See, what God is doing here the whole time is trying to teach his children. He could have just gave them fresh water. He could have just made a blip in time, picked them up, and threw them over to Red Sea. No. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart is and the making them walk through the water that is parted on both sides is trying to get them to realize what he is trying to do for them, what is offered for them. What he wants them to realize is, is that they can achieve victory and they don't have to wander for 40 years. What he wants them to realize is, is that that generation could have achieved victory and it didn't have to be the second generation. And God tested them there. 25. Now, chapter 16, grumbling comes up again. They are hungry and they wanted something to eat. Because God had led him out of bondage, he had parted the Red Sea. He had provided, not only provided, but purified the water. And now he's going to let them starve. Exodus 16, 14 through 15. This is, when I read 15, 16, and 17, this verse stood out. And I was like, oh my gosh, here's the answer to the problem right here. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the grounds. And here it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Who answered? Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So they did not, they did not even recognize their provision, the substance that was supposed to sustain them They didn't even recognize what they had asked God for. They knew what quail was. Something was flying around out there. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That must be meat. The next morning, God provided bread for them. And they came out and they looked. If you can't even realize what God is providing for you, how in the world are you ever, number one, you'll never be victorious. But it's like you don't, you won't even notice the victory. See, what God is trying to there's a reason he is he's doing this to test his children. There's a reason he is doing this to teach his children. There's only one person that knows what it is. But I think it is safe to say, and we need to understand this this morning, it's not because he's seen manna before. That has nothing to do with it. He was in the same boat as them. In fact, but the only thing was he could speak to God. And was that not the game changer? One man that was obedient and that reverenced the Lord. The woman that listened to the Lord and had a relationship and a life union with him. He is the only one that could answer the question. He's the only one. Why? Because if we read Exodus, one thing sticks out. 
He is the man that speaks to the Lord. He is the man who was called by the Lord. He answered the calling. Yes, there were, there were some moments of doubt. If, 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 if we read the, the Exodus, he, had, he probably had good reason. But yet he was obedient. He spoke and he heard directly from the Lord. And he listened. Now, we read, we read Exodus, manna is not a random act. It's a perfect plan of what God had designed for his, for his children. And if we read on, we're going to find out that God, it says, we looked at last week, what God was trying to teach his children. Those who gathered little had just enough. Those who gathered way too much had just enough. However, those who, who did not hold, who tried to hold, it rotted. Those who did not collect correctly and thought they were going to wait to the day of Sabbath, they just didn't have anything to eat because that was the Lord's fault. One way or another, we're going to learn. One way or another, it's up to us how much we want to struggle. See, the thing is, we can struggle with ourselves. But the self can be put into submission by our obedience to his spirit. See, when this spirit comes into us, it indwells us. It might be uncomfortable. There might be a moment where we're like, oh, my gosh. You know, we, we want to argue with God a little bit. There might even be a little grumble because we are people. But see, we don't have to define a term. In, in the way we act to God when we're on our journey in life. They define the term. Grumble. We actually now have a new word. Not that it's nowhere near a good thing, but what I'm saying is there will be moments when it might not be popular. It, it, we're not going to enjoy it. But that is what is required for there to be victory. Because God is not going to give us victory in us wasting. We, we have wasted opportunities that God has put in our path, trust me. But what God, what we see here between God and his children, God wants there's his, for his children's benefit, we do need to make that a point. For his children's benefit, there needs to be a recognition so that relationship will be strengthened. That's what this is for. Once again, God is self-sustaining. What do we have to offer him? This is for us, out of love and for his benefit. So even though Moses had never seen manna before, when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. Because of his life union with them, he was called and Moses had been obedient. And see, Paul tells us that it's not just victory. We will never experience satisfaction unless there is a life union with the Lord. Because if God does something in our life, we would not even be able to notice it. Moses had never seen manna before, but it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. See, it's just Moses walked out there and he knew there was going to be bread. Why? Because there's a recognition of what the Lord was doing for Moses. It's, it's not that, see, Paul in Romans, 
does this awesome teaching on faith between Abraham. And, and, and see, Moses had experienced that in his life. It's not that there, there was a, there, God gave Moses a, a, a book about the wilderness. This is how Moses this is all going to play out. No. There was a line of communication and faith in God. And that's what led Moses through the wilderness. Moses would intercede for his people. And see, the issue is we pray for victory. Pray for vic- we pray for victory so much that we grumble because the Bible is perfect and it is written perfect. That's exactly what we do. We pray for victory so much that we grumble. And the reason that we do not achieve victory is because there is not obedience, there is not submission, and there is not a recognition in to and through that relationship. That's what's required. Moses had never seen manna before, but he walked out the next morning expecting that it was going to be here. And when everybody was looking at the ground and didn't know what in the world it is, they're like, what is this? Moses says, it's the bread that the Lord has given you. You need to collect it correctly and eat so you don't die. They might would have died if Moses hadn't been there. Who knows? I mean, listen, it's the Bible. Oh, no, hands down. They needed the grace of Moses. 17, Lord, you better do something. 17, they're about to thirst again, right? Lord, you need to do something about this because what? They're about to stone me. They're about to stone the only one that can intercede for them to God. Why? They were grumbling again. Because satisfaction, you can never be fully satisfied when you just pray to God and ask him to give you just what you want. Because as the Bible proves, we don't even know what we want. We want things that are temporal. And see, when God deals with satisfied, when God deals with pleasure, when God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in his son, it just doesn't say that this satisfied God. Why? Because the Bible says it satisfied God because there was a fullness. And God only, the reason we can't rationalize with it, because we become so satisfied with the temporary things because they never last, and that's just what we're used to dealing with. That's what we're used to the day-to-day. And what God is wanting to do in your life is when you ask, when you pray, expecting to receive because you have faith. See, God wants us to get to the point to where we just walk in faith and it is provided. Do you honestly think? Listen, let's, let's just, just look at this story right here. This is the perfect example. We never have to leave Exodus. Do you honestly think? We can go all the way back to Abraham with this, can we not? Do you honestly think that God would have made all the preparation to lead his children out of bondage. Just to let them get out here in the wilderness and not provide water for them. How far does this story go back? It goes all the way back to them killing the firstborn of kids and the baby is put in a basket, right? And float it, float it down the river. See, God, God just didn't one day say, oh, I want to lead, lead my children out of bondage. No. No, 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 no. God had a plan. You see, what God has in your life, see, that's the issue that we have with dealing with, with sustainability, with the things we want. 
the desires of flesh, as Paul calls them, because that's all they are, desires of flesh. See, when God works, there is, there is a perfect plan. How many years until one day my man is sitting on a mountain and God shows up? And yeah, he had to get his attention just like he has to get ours. But you know what got his attention? Any bush can burn, but that one was not consumed. Yeah, there's some power in that, isn't there? So do you honestly think that God had, and see, this is how crazy it is. And when we say, you know what, I want to be satisfied, you can be satisfied. You can actually, according to his word, you can walk so close to God that you never have to ask for a thing because that relationship is so intimate, he automatically provides. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Actually, he promises that to us. He tells us that we will achieve true victory here. Now, yes, one day we will be with him. We will see him face to face. And Paul says, we'll truly understand what love is. Paul says, all we not, what we read last week is, we just, have a, we just have a general understanding. It's mirrored. It's blurred. But here and now, we can live close enough by our faith. Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. God is, so, God is so awesome that he knows our faith needs to be strengthened. And all this is so that our faith and our relationship will be strengthened. What God does is prove his principles to us in our life for our benefit. That's what he's doing. The issue is, do we just become brats or do we praise him? It didn't take very long for the grumbling to start is, is, is what the point is. But see, the issue is, in that verse right there, when the Israelites saw it, they were mad, they grumbled, they said, surely the Lord is going to bring us out here and let us starve to death. And the Lord said, no, your provision is right in front of you, and you don't even recognize it. That's exactly what had happened. What they wanted, what they had grumbled, they would have starved to death unless there was a man in the community that interceded for him. Now we need to go to the New Testament. Some things have changed, have they not? How can we address our problem? See, now, notice, no longer can you grumble because you think your pastor is holding you back. Now you can no longer grumble because you think your boss man is holding you back. Now you can't even grumble because you think your wife or your kids are holding Now, you have the opportunity to step into the footsteps of Moses and have that direct communication. Why? Because he has sent his son. And what? God was satisfied with his son. Why? Because he could handle the fullness of God. It could dwell in him. The spirit could come down and rest on him. We have the opportunity this morning to recognize our provision. We have the opportunity this morning to know what manna is. You don't even have to know. You don't even have to see it anymore. You can say, no, my father was just working. Because we know. Not only do we have confidence, we understand what satisfaction truly is. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Put on the truth as a belt to strengthen you, to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. 
Stand on your feet alert, then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wrap-around shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. And here, 17, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Read it one more time. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Full deliverance from natural to spiritual. There has to be a change. Mind, thoughts, change from the lies of the enemy. See, when it says embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet, to protect your thoughts. See, there is a battle. In closing this morning, Paul wants us to understand one thing. The Bible is perfectly written for us to, to understand one thing. Either way, we fight. Either way, we fight. The, the issue is, are, do we recognize it and are we victorious? That's it. The Israelites, they fought. You know what they did? They fought the desires. They created a new word, grumbled because they didn't even realize what God was trying to teach them and what God was trying to do in their life. Yeah, you know what? When the Spirit is changing the flesh, there is a fight. There has to be. When we begin to view things different, when we begin to, when we begin to understand what God's, when we have that aha moment, because you know what? We finally realize that our Father truly loves us. That moment is going to come. But what I'm telling you this morning is, if we pray and we accuse God, because we never have victory, it ain't God's fault. You say, well, no. The Bible tells us exactly whose fault it is. The Bible, in fact, tells us by that one verse right there that God will place exactly what we ask for in front of our face, and we won't even know it. We will be ignorant of it because we're not paying attention to his perfect will for us. So that's why he doesn't do God any good for us to give into him. But when we turn around and we complain to God and we say, God, I thought you were faithful to your word. God's like, you're walking all over it. You're wasting it. That's exactly what they were doing. They walked out of their tent. The dew evaporated, and it was laying on the ground, and they were walking all over the victory. God said, keep on stamping it. You're walking all over it. And they're like, I don't even know what that is. I've never seen it. Moses says, it's what you prayed for. You better collect it. And while you're collecting it, you better pay attention to what God tells you because he's trying to teach you something. And see, either way we fight. Another example, Saul and David. Another perfect example. Obviously, we don't have time to get into that right now. But see, either way in our life, God has designed victory for his children. In fact, God goes through a lot of work so that his children will be victorious. Once again, God is self-sustaining. He doesn't need all his help. He does this for our benefit because he wants us. This is, this is how hard it is. Let's define grumble real quick. You know why God does all this? Because he uses this to convince us. You know what Paul uses, a word Paul uses when he talks about preaching? Persuade. Persuade, the word is translated out. And you're like, well, why does he use that word for? The same reason uh, God had to... God had to give his children a series of tests so that they would learn. The same reason why we walk through things, you know. Because God doesn't waste his victory. You know what we do? 
when someone comes up and tells us, well, you, well, you know what, and we're complaining because we don't think God's working in our timeline and all this, and somebody walks up and tells us, and says, well, that's your victory, that's your man, and you're walking all over it, you need to quit stopping it. Who are you? He's the one that's, that's trying to point us in places back in the right direction. You know, but either way, either way, we fight. The only difference is, are we knowledgeable? Through our life union, as Paul says. Because in order to fight, we have to wear the complete armor. We have to be clothed with the complete armor. 24-7, life union. We have to have that intimate relationship with Christ. Because if not, we find out how easy it is for the Lord to move something or the Lord to do something in our life. And scene two pops up. And we're like, I can't believe that. That, that you brought us out here in the wilderness and, and that we're going to die of thirst. That water's bitter, God. I can't even drink it. See, God is constantly moving, placing, shifting. He's doing things in our life to teach us a lesson. The thing is, are we just aware of the steps and the process he is trying to teach us so that victory can be achieved? And that's all that was trying to happen. Exodus. God was trying to get his children to the promised land so that they could share in that intimate relationship. And what? So he could bless them. They could be blessed by living in his perfect will. The issue was they wondered either way we fight. You know, we, we fight and we suppress the flesh and we just deal with it and we let our father lead us. Or either we struggle our whole life and miss the victory God has placed and, and destined and designed, however you translate the scripture for each and every one of us, because we're ignorant to the plan he has for us. Because the flesh will never be satisfied. We can never satisfy the flesh. And yes, that process, we have to be trained by his spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.